Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on? Happy Saturday. The son of the junks is back. It's AWOD. I'm live until 1130 today as I'll pass it off to... A little bit of play-by-play for the Virginia Tech Hokies as they're hosting sixth-ranked UVA, the Cavaliers from the Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. Just a massive college hoops day all around the country. Of course, you've got UNC against Duke as well. I know a bunch of Hokies alum and Who's alum listen to the show. So we're going to preview that game with Gene Wong, Washington Post ACC reporter, at 10 a.m. on the show today. Joe House. We'll join the show to talk a little D.C. sports, get his take on the Wizards and the Washington Commanders offense coordinator search at 1030. Then Chase Hughes will join the show at 11. I'm wondering, does anybody listening right now want to make a move for Kyrie Irving? Phone lines are always open here on AWOD Radio. It's 1-800-636-1067. I'll tell you right now, I definitely do not see that happening, so don't get your hopes up at all but I did want to start the show today by going around the NBA because there's so much going on right now in the National Basketball Association last night you had a fight Mo Bamba a fight broke out between the Orlando Magic and the Minnesota Timberwolves in which five players were ejected following the brawl it started in front of the Orlando bench late in the third quarter you had Minnesota guard Austin Rivers and Magic center Mo Bamba were the initial players involved. Bamba got off the bench, went onto the court, and attacked Austin Rivers. It was an ugly scene there. Rivers said after the game, this isn't like a cool moment for me. I feel embarrassed. I'm the oldest on the team. I consider myself the leader of the team or one of the leaders of the team. It was a weird game, and I don't think that helped at all. If anything, right now, I'm just ticked off that we lost and that I had something to do with that. It doesn't make me feel good. Austin Rivers then took to Instagram and kind of fired a shot at Mo Bamba here. I, I kind of love the pettiness of the NBA. He said, quote, Buddy, I went at you one on five with no backup. You needed your teammates. Otherwise, you would have been choked out. Talking about find out. I love this line here. Austin Rivers calling out Mo Bamba saying, We only know about you from an old rap song, not hoops. So, so shut the bleep up. <laughs> and Orlando is my city. Ask around and actually find out. They don't mess with you there. Facts from Austin Rivers. How about that? It's also the second altercation on the court in two days in the NBA. What is going on? Things are really heating up ahead of the All-Star break here as you had Dylan Brooks and Donovan Mitchell get into a fight the other night. 
Dylan Brooks was suspended for the move he pulled on Donovan Mitchell where he rolled over and could have stopped his momentum but rolled over onto his ankle, which was a cheap shot, and then kind of rolled his shoulder and hit him in the groin. Dylan Brooks is such a bum. I've never liked him. I've never liked Dylan Brooks. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I've always thought Dylan Brooks was Ron Artest with no game. Don Artest. Dylan No Game Brooks. I've met more people talented more talented people than Dylan Brooks on the basketball court. He's just, uh, you know, he's like an enforcer in hockey. That's all he is. He, he commits hard fouls and he plays strong defense. Can't do anything on the offensive end, in my opinion. You had Kyrie Irving demanding a trade. Yesterday, that rocked the NBA world with the Woj bomb around Friday afternoon that Kyrie demanded to be traded from the Brooklyn Nets ahead of the February 9th trade deadline. It's just so frustrating, right? And I, I knew this was going to happen. He's already been through a lot this season. From the offseason unhappiness to being suspended by the team to then working his way back, playing well, and now he demands a trade just before the deadline. It's annoying to me because I feel like Kyrie can just control the headlines and ask out of any team that he has to be on in the first place, right? He wanted to be with Brooklyn. He wanted to be with uh, with KD, with Steve Nash. They barely even worked together for a full 81, 82 games before deciding, oh, yeah, we don't want to be with Harden anymore. Oh, yeah, we want to move on from Steve Nash. They're always upset. They're always unhappy, Kyrie and KD. It's so annoying. And I feel like we've given the players too much power. But then again, I predicted this. It was just the most obvious team blow-up across the league. The Nets were not happy. They weren't. Once they parted ways with Nash, I predicted a full blow-up on my show back in October. Right? Because Kyrie is just the first block. He'll get traded. I'm predicting he'll get traded to the Lakers. Watch. That's going to happen. Why? Because he knows he made the biggest mistake of his career when he left LeBron in the first place. And he's seen LeBron keep winning trophies. And he hasn't. Then, you'll see Kevin Durant. Watch him get moved. Where will Kevin Durant land? You know he wants to go back to Golden State. And heck, look at the standings. They need him right now. Then there's Ben Simmons. He'll be thrown onto a new roster. Brooklyn will be a terrible NBA franchise for a long, long time. They just have no idea what they're doing. And their players have just way too much power. Also in the NBA, you have LeBron. Breaking records. And and I decided in my mind this week, he has officially passed Michael Jordan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Awad, are you kidding me? LeBron James has officially passed Michael Jordan, as and he will go down as having the greatest career in NBA history. He will never be the greatest of all time in my mind. That will always be Michael Jordan, the way he flied around the court. And I even only saw Michael in a Wizards jersey. And I still think he was a better scorer than LeBron James in a Wizards jersey. But LeBron will go down as the player with the most NBA accomplishments, the greatest career in the NBA. Moving into the top 20 in assists, the only non-point guard on this list, and he's getting closer and closer to passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in points. Whenever James passes him, possibly next week, during one of the Lakers' home games against either the Su- the Thunder or the Bucks on Thursday, it will be a great achievement and an all-time achievement for LeBron James. And I love what Jeannie Buss said in a quote. She said, I think this is a record that really stands out among all the different records in the NBA. I mean, 
This is the all-time scoring record. But this is really about a career that LeBron has built through his hard work and determination and talent. And while we will take a moment to celebrate, this is about LeBron and reflecting on all the sacrifices he's made to get to this point to achieve the level of this level of greatness. It's about him. This record is his. Yeah, it's not it's not a team achievement. No, this is an all-time great achievement for LeBron James. So he's already He's two spots away from Carl Malone and Kobe Bryant. He's going to pass those guys 63 points away from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His career high was March of 2014 when he had 61 points. So it'd be awesome if he broke it his next game with a career high of 63 points and broke the record. Uh, But it will most likely happen next week. I'm predicting it's before next Saturday. Then you had the Washington Wizards. How about that? One of the hottest teams in the league, and then they blew it. A double-digit lead at halftime versus the Portland Trailblazers. Call me right now, 1-800-636-1067. What happened? I was working a VCU game. Ace Baldwin had 37 points. I turned back to the Wiz, and all of a sudden they're down by 10 in the fourth quarter. Porzingis had at least first team in the first quarter. The Wiz were rolling. What the hell happened? Somebody call in and tell me. Of course, I should have known this was going to happen. The Wizards always blow leads. But how did this one happen? It's so annoying. I thought we had turned a corner, playing better, six games in a row. The Junkies said that Rui Hashimura was toxic. And I kind of agreed because you look how much the team, how much better the team was playing since he was traded. What are we going to do? Is the vision any more clear for the Wizards than it was a week ago? I think they have to make another move, right? Because they have three point guards on the roster that are all average. DeLon Wright, I I like him the best. I would start him. Kendrick Nunn, to me, kind of looks like John Wall, the way he's able to drive and finish with his left hand at the basket. But he's average. And then Monte Morris, who's, you know, he's got a decent turnover to assist rate, but he doesn't bring enough to the offensive side of the court for me. So I would love for us to trade, you know, two point guards to try to get a better guard and throw in a couple draft picks. But, you know, I also don't like giving up draft picks because probably the true answer of how we're – ever going to get back to a conference final for the first time in 40 years would be to completely tank and bottom out. But this team isn't bad enough to bottom out with Kuzma, with Beal, and Porzingis. And they're not good enough to reach this team's goals of winning a playoff series or two. I doubt that can, they can get that done. Just sitting in no man's land right now are the Washington Wizards. So the NBA All-Star starters and reserves were announced, and I saw a list online of snubs. Want to go through them right now. Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. I think the Raptors absolutely are going to trade him. He's been awfully quiet since Kawhi Leonard left that team. Guard Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's been phenomenal. And uh, Minnesota is on track to be a top six seed. His stats are up all across the board. He's been fantastic. I loved him also in his cameo in Adam Sandler's Hustle. If you haven't seen that, you definitely need to check that out. Guard Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks made a huge difference for the Knicks this season, and I think he's been better than Julius Randle, who made the All-Star team. Guard De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings got snubbed. That one actually really frustrates me because you look at the standings right now, it's unbelievable how good the Kings are. They're the freaking three seed right now. And I get it, Sabonis made the All-Star team, but their point guard, leader on the offensive side of the ball, De'Aaron Fox should have made it as well. Then James Harden of the Sixers, right? 
Sixers have one of the best records in the East, and Harden is averaging 21.4 and 11 assists to become one of the league's most reliable guards. And a lot of people I've read are upset in Atlanta because Trey Young nearly averaging a double-double, 27 points and 9.9 assists, did not make the All-Star team. He has steadily improved his assist numbers, and this is a career year for Young who has missed an All-Star game twice in the last three years. Last time he missed it, he was so upset he led his Atlanta uh, Hawks team all the way to the conference finals. So now he'll be playing again this season with a chip on his shoulder. Phone lines are open, one 800 636-1067-1-800-636-1067. It's the son of the junks, AWOD on the fan. If you enjoy the show and want to support me, download the Odyssey app and favorite 910 The Fan in Richmond, Virginia, where you can hear me 12 to 3, Monday through Friday. You can also catch the podcast by searching AWOD Radio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You guys know I love the junkies, but the show I love more than the junks, that's Bit Season. So I'm actually going to take a topic from Bit Season, give my guys Matt and Matt a follow on social media, Drab and Valdez. They are talented talents and should be making millions for their podcast. Bit Season is so entertaining. I listened to the new episode last night. Anyway, you guys know I'm also a big fan of movies and television. I'm watching The Last of Us right now on HBO. I've been going through the best pictures, trying to watch all of them before the Oscars. I think Banshees of in Sharon was stupid. If you if you like that film, uh, um, you just like boring movies. I'm sorry. I, I was so bored by that movie. I had no interest in that at all, so I don't, hope it does not win Best Picture. It, I think Best Picture should be either The Fablemans, that movie was awesome, even though it was so sad, super sad, honestly. Or Top Gun Maverick, how awesome was Tom Cruise? I kept thinking that whole movie, Tom Cruise is going to die. How is he doing these stunts? How is he doing these stunts? Um, also, Everything Everywhere All at Once was a great movie from this year as well. But anyway, Netflix announced they will put an end to password sharing. This comes six years after they tweeted, sharing a pass- love is sharing a password. And they shared the process of how they'll do that with users having to log in on home Wi-Fi once a month. Initially, my reaction was that this would destroy the company. I was complaining. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Netflix, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. But Matt Valdez broke it down perfectly on bit season. All these losers, the mooches like myself, guys who don't have an account, they're the ones complaining, and I'm one of them. I use mommy's Netflix account. I use my mom's to save money. I'm not going to... I'm going to have to create my own, account, my own account. Why? Because eventually I'll be locked out. And I'll bitch and I'll moan and I'll complain. And then the next big thing will pop up. The next Squid Game. The next Stranger Things. And I'll be missing out on the next big thing. The new show. The water cooler talk. I'll have so much FOMO, fear of missing out, that I'll end up signing up and paying for this stupid monthly subscription myself. So he's right. At first, Netflix is going to face backlash from some losers out there. They're going to complain and go to Twitter and say, Netflix sucks, don't ever download it again. And some users will quit, and they'll lose a little bit of money initially. But in the long run, they will easily gain subscribers. As long as their product continues to be successful and drop hits, right? Will Squid Game 2 be any good? How about the next season of Stranger Things? What other movies do they have in the works? I got to give Valdez credit on this one. 
I think he's brilliant. I think all these losers who are complaining about Netflix, like myself, will end up with a subscription service in the long run. And the company will profit off that. They just will. They'll have a bunch of people who don't sign up or, or people that cancel their membership for three months to six months. Then all of a sudden, you're going to have Sally, Joe, and their two kids are all going to sign up separately because they're off in college and they can't use the home Wi-Fi. It does frustrate me because they tweeted, love is sharing a password, and I felt like that should have been their theme forever. But times are changing. Everybody's cutting cords, and they have to keep up. They have to make money. I thought he said it perfectly, though, there on BitSeason. Download BitSeason today and check out the latest episode with Drab Valdez and also my guy, Ryan the Stallion. All right, right now I wanted to do a quick Super Bowl preview on the fan. It's going to be such an awesome game, right? So when the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl 57, Sunday, February 12th, Chiefs, Andy Reid will face his old team. How cool is that? Such a great storyline. And not only was he the coach of the Eagles for more than a decade, but he'll be the fifth coach ever to face a former team in the Super Bowl. And he led the Eagles to the Super Bowl and absolutely dominated the NFC East. The NFC East has not had back-to-back champions since Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb did it in the 03-04 season. Then you also have Travis and Jason Kelsey. They'll become the first brothers to meet in the Super Bowl on each side. How cool is that? I mean, so many great storylines. In addition to that, you have the fact is the Chiefs and the Eagles each boast 16-3 records. Both were the number one seeds, and in my opinion, these were the best two teams in the entire NFL throughout the season. I get it. You could argue the Bengals got hot for one point, but the Chiefs had the best record, the best record over the Bills because they didn't play that one game, and the Eagles had the best record by far in the NFC and really only lost one game all season with a healthy Jalen Hurts. Feel good because I can say that was to my Washington Commanders. This will also be the eighth Super Bowl meeting between top seeds since 1990. And it's in Glendale, Arizona. It's going to be awesome. I wish I was going to be there. I visited Arizona, uh, where was that, last April. It's one of the coolest places in the country, honestly. You've got so much to do there. You've got Scottsdale, which is popping. I think that's probably for kids like 25 to 35. Phoenix, downtown. I think everyone should go check out a Suns game. It was awesome. And then you've got Tempe, which Drab knows as he went to ASU, is probably the coolest campus in the country. I was walking through it and breaking my neck left and right. Oh, my goodness. So many attractive people. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. If you want to chime in on the Super Bowl, 1-800-636-1067. I look for this game to be a shootout. Both teams have strong pass rushes. And most people would say, oh, yeah, this is going to be a low-scoring game because of that. But both of these quarterbacks have excellent escapability. Right, And I think they will be able to use that to break containment and then fire downfield. I think there's going to be some weaknesses that you'll see in each team's secondary. Right, Eagles have playmakers, but they go for double moves all the time and can get caught ball watching. The Chiefs, man, their cornerbacks have stepped up, but they're all rookies. Three rookies in the secondary last week, and they held up. I think mostly that was because Joe Burrow was getting manhandled by Chris Jones. The X factor for this Super Bowl, though, I think it's got to be Andy Reid, right? He's been there. He's done it before. He will use his experience to get the better 
of Nick Sirianni from either tricking him with a hard play action to just taking away the Eagles' strengths, right? Like, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm making sure my defensive coordinator understands how important the first drive of this game is, right? The Eagles had 10 opening drive touchdowns this season. They did not lose a game in which they scored on the first drive. That's key. If the Chiefs can get a stop and let Mahomes go to work and grab a lead, that's how you beat the Eagles. You make them play from behind, which they really only had to do one time this season when they lost to the Washington Commanders. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. No, sorry, that's that's what I call out in Richmond. (laughs) It's 1-800-636-1067, 1-800-636-1067. We've got Gene Wong in the Washington Post coming up at 10 a.m. Talk a little UVA at Virginia Tech. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Time to get up and at them. Start your Saturday morning. Can't think of any better way to start your Saturday than by calling into 106.7 The Fan. I want to know who you want to be the next offensive coordinator for the Commanders. Who do you want to be the play caller in Washington, D.C.? 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Commanders, offensive coordinator search. I'm Adam Epstein. I'll tell you, I'm all in on Eric Bieniemy. The question is, can you get him? Could you convince him to leave a job where he's competing for Super Bowls year after year after year to come to this dumpster fire of a franchise to call plays? Will Dan Snyder want to pay Chiefs coach Eric Bieniemy, $2.5 million, according to NBC Sports Washington's J.P. Finley, who you can hear on B. Mitch and Finley, 10-2 to 2 on 106.7 The Fan, said Bieniemy could land a salary north of $2.5 million. And there will be competition for his services. I've seen online Baltimore is interested as well. Eric Bieniemy has a background as a running backs coach. Seems to fit in exactly for what Ron Rivera wants, what he likes. And the enemy wants the opportunity to call plays. Seems to fit what Washington wants again. He's been part of an organization that's been to five straight conference championship games. That's what Washington has not been able to do in 29 years. But what does Chiefs head coach Andy Reid have to say about Eric Bieniemy? He said, quote, well, listen, I think he's top notch. At the risk of being redundant, I have not seen many guys that are as great a leader as he is of men and in this business that's huge you're never going to have to worry about Eric Bieniemy. never on the field off the field he's going to be honest with you and straightforward and then he knows the offense so those are all important things but to be a head coach if you're going to survive in this business you better be honest with the people you deal with and you better have a plan for them guys want to know where they're at and where they're going and most of us do. And what they don't have that put in place, then they drift. And then that's where the teams fall apart. So he knows how to do that part and do it well. He's been sought after basically every offseason for the past three years. And I would say he either hasn't found the right fit, or you could say he bombed at his interview. A lot of people have said that. Or maybe it just simply wasn't he made, didn't make the final selection for an NFL team searching for a new head coach, right? He might have been second, right behind Nick Sirianni with the Eagles, or right behind Mike McDaniels with the Dolphins. We don't know that. But Washington isn't asking him to be the head coach. 
They're asking him to be the offensive coordinator. And I think he would see this as an opportunity to become a head coach either here in Washington when Ron Rivera inevitably gets blown out or retires, or he uses Washington as a stepping stone like Marvin Lewis did after being the longtime D.C. in Baltimore one season in Washington before he was hired as the Cincinnati Bengals head coach. Could the enemy follow the same path? Do you want him? 1-800-636-1067. I think he could become Washington's associate head coach and the offensive coordinator for one season and then either bounce to be the main man somewhere else or convince the new ownership that he deserves the job over Ron Rivera. What makes his resume so impressive? Well, he works well with star quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes has talked about how much Biennemi has taken his game to the next level. He's won a Super Bowl. He's learned a ton under Andy Reid's tutelage. The Chiefs have led the NFL in scoring and yardage this season. I get it. Having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback is going to be a big reason why. But it's more about the Chiefs' offensive philosophy, right? It's not just, hey, let's let Mahomes run around and make plays. No, they were able to adapt this season without their deep threat, Tyreek Hill. And if you look at the way they scheme their offense, it's so brilliant. It's almost unstoppable. And I get it. A lot of that is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the playmakers that they put around him. But I think you've got to give Andy Reid and Biennemi a lot of credit. The timing of the play calls that they run, right? They seem to know when to run a screen exactly when the team, the opposing team is doing an all-out blitz. Biennemi's got this adaptability, experience, and so many years of soaking up information from Andy Reid. Who are the two biggest competitors for Andy uh, and Eric Bieniemy's service? You have Baltimore and Tennessee. Both really like to run the ball, so that would match his skill set. But they do not. Tennessee and Baltimore have the wide receiver weapons that Washington does. And I think that's why Eric Bieniemy would look at this as a great opportunity to come in here and be the savior for this franchise. And really, if the offense is just decent with how good the defense should be next year, this team actually should win 10 or 11 games. So what's his full resume, you ask me? Eric Bieniemy, born August of 1969. Great year. <laughs> Currently 53 years old. Played college ball at Colorado before being drafted in the second round of the 1991 NFL Draft. He spent three years with San Diego, three years with the Bengals, and a season with Philly before becoming the running back coach at his alma mater of Colorado in 2001. That started his coaching journey that would see him move to UCLA as a running backs coach in 2003 before joining the Viking staff in 2006. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He was the running back coach for the Vikings in 2006 where he helped turn Adrian Peterson and the Vikings offense into the best running offense in the NFL. And they made several playoff appearances during his five seasons with the Vikings. He would then move on to accept the offensive coordinator job back at his school of Colorado before Andy Reid and the Chiefs came calling in 2013. And he served as the running backs coach until the OC position opened up in 2018, where he's now been to five straight AFC championship games as the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. That's an impressive run, a run for a coach that should lead to a head coaching opportunity. The reason it hasn't is because a lot of people say, He hasn't called plays. Well, that's why I think he should make Washington a priority.
come to Washington and you eventually become either the head coach here or you get a head coaching opportunity somewhere else. Last week when I was on the fan, I went through some of the other candidates that the commanders have interviewed. And I think if they're not going to hire Biennemi, I want them to hire a guy who has head coaching experience, right? A guy like Pat Shermer, a guy like Anthony Lynn, who Ron Rivera went out of his way, drove from Pebble Beach to wherever Lynn was in California to go interview him one-on-one. And the team have met with Lynn again to see if there was mutual interest. He's a possibility. But I told you my guy is Eric Bieniemy. I want him to get the job. Even if he fails completely, I want to feel like, hey, we swung for the fences. We went out there and got the hottest name in the NFL right now. Maybe he was the hottest name three years ago, but there's no reason for him to have fallen off in my mind. It just makes no sense to me. 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. Who do you want Washington's next offensive coordinator to be? Does anyone care that Scott Turner got a job so quickly? Did Washington make a mistake in letting him go? I say hell to the no! Scott came into Washington from the Carolina Panthers with Ron in 2020. And the offense has never been great since Ron Rivera came in. And now I get it. You could say Scott Turner was screwed with the amount of quarterbacks that he had. But it was Scott Turner who decided he was going to go with Jonathan Williams instead of Brian Robinson. It was Scott Turner who had Carson Wentz from the two-yard line against the Tennessee throw the ball three straight plays instead of simply running it in and winning the game. It was Scott Turner who called a passing play from the two-yard line against the Giants knowing Kayvon Thibodeau was coming strong and Charles Leno couldn't block him and that sack fumble cost us the season. Cost us the season. Washington's defense was good enough to make the playoffs. The offense was the is the issue. So do I think Washington made a mistake letting Scott Turner go? Not at all. Not at all. The Raiders made a huge mistake. Josh McDaniels, he's going to be fired next year anyway. But now they've got their passing game coordinator, their OC, in Scott Turner. Turner was actually the backup at UNLV and received a little bit of playing time there, so that's his connection to Vegas. But just so many mistakes here in Washington, and I get it, he went through so many quarterbacks from Haskins to Allen to Smith to Heineke to Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, Wentz, Heineke, then Howell, then then Wentz again, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that you could put blame on other people, and I get it, he never worked with the best quarterbacks, but that was the best decision Ron Rivera's made in Washington was immediately after the season cutting ties with Scott Turner. I had always complained that he was too loyal to his guy, Scott Turner. I told you I want the enemy. Who do you want? 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. It's AWOD Radio on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Follow me on social media at AWOD Radio. A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. I just reposted the Commander's Off-Season Guide that I put together with Michael Phillips last week on my show in Richmond, Virginia. So check out that article that we posted. Got a really uh, good breakdown of the Commander's Off-Season Guide for you guys 
listening right now. I think I think we'd all agree, right? New owner is the priority. Next would be new coach. That's not going to happen, so it ends up going to be new, new OC. Then I would like a new quarterback. I don't think Sam Howell is a future star in the NFL. Do you disagree? 1-800-636-1067. Phone lines are open. Commander's off-season guide. Start with the question of who you want to be the next offensive commander, which I was talking about not last segment, and I said I want it to be Eric Bieniemy. Let's go to the phone lines here. 1-800-636-1067. We've got Gus and Herndon. Gus, you're on the fan. Hey, morning, everyone. Um, What's up, you dude? You know what? I want Bieniemy. I want Bieniemy, but... Um, you know, that Baltimore spot seems perfect for him because Mark Andrews is basically, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey light. And so he, if he can get Lamar Jackson to come back, and Lamar may be even more encouraged to come back if he has the enemy as his OC. Um, but I have a sort of off-the-wall pick for offensive coordinator. You know what? I want Josh Johnson, the quarterback. That guy's at the what? end of his career. I know, it seems funny, but he's, this guy has played in almost every offense in the league mastered it in a short amount of time. He gets paid only a million dollars anyways. You could probably give him a little bit less to be a coach or for him to be healthy because, you know, his last play was getting knocked out of a game. At 36 years old, he's done everything in terms of every quarterback room. That's an off-the-wall pick that could really come out to shine. Well, it's an off-the-wall pick, and I would say I would be fine with him coming in here to be our third quarterback, our emergency QB, uh, like the 49ers wished they had uh, in that NFC Championship game. But it's too big of a spot for him to be an OC, maybe a quarterback's coach or something, but you can't bring him bring him in and let him call plays right away, Gus. Come on now. He's older than McVay was when he was head coach. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the experience, but he's been in the room. Like this guy, I mean, and what? And if it fails, it fails. You know, I don't think you're going to get a big, a big shot here anyways. That's what, I mean, that's why I said the enemy's going to Baltimore. He'd be dumb to come to Washington with Baltimore being receptive to him. You know, and Shermer, okay, but that's sort of, you know, that's an old, you know, that's like having Del Rio as a defensive coordinator. You know, he may look good against some average teams, but when push comes to shove, he's not going to get you through. Look, I, I will say I'd rather have Josh Johnson rather than Ken Zampezi, uh, but I, I just don't think that's the answer. I do like the off-the-wall thinking, Gus. I always appreciate you chiming in, man. 1-800-636-1067. Phone lines are open here on AWOD Radio. 1-800-636-1067. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, I don't think Sam Howell's a future star in the NFL. Does Washington actually think, does the front office actually think he is a quarterback who can win a playoff game? Or are they just throwing him out there to see what they've got? Right? And then you could start all over the next year. I do not think he's a future star. I just look around the league. And I look at the Burroughs, I look at the Mahomes, I look at their reaction on the field, I look at how they handle themselves in press conferences, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, I just don't think Sam Howell has what it takes to be a legit star. Get mad at me if you want, tell me I'm crazy, 1-800-636-1067, I'm just so sick and tired of mediocre quarterbacks. And I don't think that Sam Howell's ceiling is a star, I, I think he could be a little above average. And I'm tired of that. Taylor Heineke probably has a better season next year if he starts the entire season than Sam Howell would have, right? They're both mediocre. I'm tired of mediocre quarterbacks. I'm sick and tired of it. 
Sam Howell currently stands alone in the conversation for Washington's starting quarterback next season. But that's just for now. He's a fifth-round pick with one career start. One career start against the Cowboys team who you don't even really know if they were trying hard or not. Didn't really look like it, but maybe that's just how bad they were this season. They looked pretty garbage in the loss to the 49ers. Now the commanders still need to hire an offensive coordinator, but they're telling the guy that's going to be the play caller that Sam Howell's the next quarterback for the Washington Commanders. I don't like it. Would you rather have Sam Howell start or Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson or try for another veteran quarterback? Or would you give the second-year player out of UNC the keys to the franchise? I'm sorry, Sam, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going to give you the keys to the franchise. If I'm in charge in Washington right now and my job's on the line, right? I'm taking the the fan aspect of this out out of my thoughts here. If I'm Ron Rivera, I'm going after one of the quarterbacks available and bringing him in to compete for the starting job. Rather than giving the keys to Sam Howell, I'm going after one of these guys, Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, trying to keep Taylor Heineke, Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith, even Daniel Jones or Lamar Jackson. I'm going after one of those guys rather than giving the keys to Sam Howell. I, I think Sam Howell's fine. And I do think eventually you have to throw him out there and see what you have in him. But if I'm in charge right now in Washington in the front office and I want to sell tickets and I want to get people back in the stands in FedEx, look, it's going to be nearly impossible to get that done before Dan Snyder sells the franchise. But if I'm Ron Rivera, my my job's on the line. I can't start next season with a fifth-round pick. That's stupid. I mean, just think about that. That's not a good business decision, right? Put your career on the line for a fifth-round quarterback? No, if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm probably drafting Will Levis, right? I'm probably drafting a quarterback in the first round because my job is on the line. Whether he does that or not, that's what the smart move would be, right? Rather than just say, oh, yeah, I get fired if I don't make the playoffs, but I'm going to believe in this fifth-round pick because he showed moxie in a meaningless game against the Dallas Cowboys. A meaningless game against the Dallas Cowboys. They were already in the playoffs. Had that locked up. Yes, you could say, oh, well, they were thinking if the Giants beat the Eagles, then they won, they could have stolen the division. That wasn't happening. The Eagles, like I said, have been the best team in the NFL all season, and they had Jalen Hurts back. They weren't losing that game. The Cowboys had nothing to play for. Sam Howell looked Good. He he looked he didn't look spectacular. Look at his stats from that game. It's not like he threw for four hundred yards. It's just this is what we do in Washington. We get super duper excited for average quarterbacks. Eh. Meh. I think Sam Howell is meh. I look at the Super Bowl and Jalen Hurts against Patrick Mahomes. I look at the AFC and NFC championship games. And you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Joe Burrow. You got Jalen Hurts and you got Brock Purdy. Do I want to try to make a run like San Francisco with a Brock Purdy type where you have to rely on your defense and all the playmakers around you? Or do I want to be one of those teams that have a franchise quarterback that can put their team on their back? Who's the next franchise quarterback? 
Who's the next superstar? I think you have to draft a quarterback this round, this year, in the first or second round, if you're Ron Rivera. You have to. Your job's on the line. And then whoever's in charge of the team next year, I'd say, you got to trade everything to go get Caleb Williams. Because that guy, that guy I think is the next Joe Burrow. That guy's the next Justin Herbert. The next Josh Allen. The next 13-win-a-season quarterback type guy. Sam Howell, a best Sam Howell performance next season, probably wins eight or nine games. Eight or nine games. I'm tired of this. We've done this for years. He's a fifth-round quarterback. Fifth round. You have to. You have to try to strike gold in the draft every year. Every single year. you got to keep trying. Because it's, it's really once every 25 years you get a Tom Brady type who's drafted later, right? Barely ever happens. Phone lines are open. Let's go to Eric and Annandale. Eric, you're on the fan. What's up, buddy? Hey, um, I usually agree with you, but I completely disagree with you now. I think I love the emphasis, it. Yeah, I think the emphasis has to be on the O line because you can have an average quarterback and go real far with a good offensive line. Look at Philly's offensive line, and I'd love to see what Howell can do. He's had flashes, and uh, I would keep Heineke. So that's just my opinion. Hey, man, I, I love people disagreeing with me. And, and remember, I'm, t- I'm giving you this take from the perspective as if I was Ron Rivera, right? If I was Ron Rivera, I think you have to go out and, and get a rookie QB and you can't trust Sam Howell with your job on the line. I appreciate the call, Eric. Let's keep it going here. we got Adam and Sterling. Adam, you're hey, on the fan with AWOD. What's up, bud? Hey, what's, hey man, I didn't agree with you, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if Heineke had that, uh, that arm, we'd all be praising Heineke. And Sam Howell's got the same attributes as him, Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, and has the arm. He's got one heck of an arm, and we have a lot of receivers. So why do you think everybody in the NFL draft waited five rounds to go get him? I mean, you say the same thing about Cam Crow. Well, yeah, but that's not a quarterback. Yeah, but that's not a quarterback. Quarterbacks don't usually drop that far and then end up being stars. That is that is true. However, but you, you do have quarterbacks that have dropped far, like Russell Wilson. He's dropped to, what, third round? You got Brady in the sixth. That's, 60, that's, a, that's a difference of 60 players right there, third round and fifth round. That's a big difference in my mind. Tell me what. Just tell me this. Tell me what you've seen from Sam Howell in one game that tells you he's going to be a superstar in this league. He's going to be the next Mahomes or Burrow. Well, no, I mean, you're not going to be a Mahomes or Burrow. I mean, they're one in a million. But, but that's what you're suit. That's what that's what you have to search for. That's the only way to lift a Lombardi Trophy. That's no, I disagree with that. <laughs> when you have when you have how and you said the last game was meaningless, which it wasn't, because Dallas was playing hard in that game, and we we just crushed them. I mean, it wasn't a, it was, it wasn't a meaningless game to. Uh, the Dallas, and it wasn't a meaningless game to Hal. It was to show what he can do, and he showed it. He even showed it in preseason. He showed it by throwing for 169 yards and one interception. That's your franchise quarterback. That's your franchise quarterback. Enjoy it. 
Enjoy he it. He said the same thing about Peyton, and he threw what fifty nine interceptions in his first year. Peyton Manning was okay Peyton wasn't Peyton Manning a Heisman Trophy winner at Tennessee? You can't compare him to Sam Howell. They they did with Philip Rivers or not Philip Rivers? Uh, what's his name? Ryan Leaf. All right, you got me there. I appreciate the call. Thanks for chiming in. Phone lines are open, 1-800-636-1067. Look, I I love disagreeing with people, and I will say at the end of the day, I just want the Washington Commanders to be successful. I also want them to completely change their name again, and I know I'm not alone in that opinion. But I am a diehard D.C. sports fan, so if Sam Howell ends up balling out, I'll shut up and I'll be happy. I just have doubts. I have reservations. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.